God allows tests and trials and suffering to come along to burn off the unnecessary stuff in our lives, to strip it down so that it becomes pure. It's not contaminated with this life and with worldliness and bad thinking. He squeezes us so that we will cry out to Him. This is Living a Legacy with Bible teacher and author Dr. Crawford Lawrence. Well, you've heard their questionable teaching on TV or radio. They say God always wants to show you positive favor, no matter how you live, apparently. Your seed investment in a particular ministry protects you from harm or sickness or difficulty. These are acts of Satan, and you can claim authority over him. Miracles are available at the drop of a hat. On and on they go. Well, as Crawford said last week, this is not what the Bible teaches. Bad things do come to dedicated Christians. Difficulty comes to those who faithfully read their Bibles and pray. Could it be that difficulty and suffering in the Christian life are actually gifts to us? Let's investigate that further. Crawford is at the very beginning of his new series, Navigating Life's Challenges, based on 1 Peter. Today we're hearing the second part of last week's message called Priceless and Precious. The messages we feature on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Now in retirement, Crawford heads Beyond Our Generation, a ministry leadership mentoring program. His books include Make It Home Before Dark, Unshaken, and Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Well, suffering, it's not a topic we like to visit, and yet there is far more to it than we may realize. Let's join Crawford for today's Bible study. Again, our text is 1 Peter chapter 1. Most Christians do not have a real visceral, heart, confident belief in the reality of heaven. We intellectually do. But I'm going to tell you something. If we do not really embrace in our hearts that there is, a, there is a mansion waiting for us, there is a real God, and that there is real reward, then what we're talking about here doesn't make sense. Close your Bible. If you don't, if you don't really believe, close your Bible. Put your, put your pen down. This, it doesn't make sense. It absolutely doesn't make sense. If this world is the payoff, it's somehow, we, we say we believe it, but we kind of like, yeah, you know, square footage here is like my heaven. You don't say that. My security is found in my bank account, my career. But what Peter's trying to do is get their eyes above the hope line to, to look up this way. And to say, hey, look, look, your salvation is not some recreational experience. It's not a bunch of nice inspirational sayings. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive, and you have an inheritance waiting for you. You are a pilgrim and a stranger that's just walking through this land. Don't let it hold on to you. And everything that's taken from you will be given back to you. And you have to believe that. You have to believe that. Verse 5 tells us that not only is our inheritance being guarded, but we, the heirs, are being guarded. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the, in the last time. So we're being guarded. The expression who is not the what, but it's the who. It's not just the inheritance, but right now he says, we, heirs, are being protected by the power of God. 
that our hearts are being protected. Now, this does not mean that he's gonna give us the material thing back and the stuff that we, no, that our salvation, our hearts, we're being protected by the very power of God. You know, I travel uh, some, and sometimes I've gone to a hotel only to discover that my reservations have been confused or canceled. You know, and I have a particular challenge. About a third of the time when I show up, I, I say, you know, I'm Crawford Loretz, you, and uh, they ask my name. Oh, um, Loretz, we can, hmm. you spell that again? L-O-R-I-T-T-S, hmm, it's not there. I say, try Crawford. Oh, here it is. Sam Kirsch and blessed with two last names, you know, so about a third of times that's, that's, that's what happens to me. What Peter's saying is that this will not happen when we arrive in heaven. This inheritance is secure. I mean, it's not going to be in some scene up there saying, um, you're bringing the book of life over here, Crawford? Mm. Oh, no, man. <laughs> no, it's there. It's there. So, our Lord has secured this living hope, but he's also secured our encouragement. He secured our encouragement. That's what verses six and seven is all about. Look at verse six, it says, in this you rejoice. In what? In what? Your living hope, your inheritance. In this we rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He's saying that a living hope results in present joy. Did you hear that? Did you hear? Don't let anybody lie to you and say that to be heavenly minded means to be no earthly good. Or to be heavenly minded means to be categorically irrelevant down here. Or to be heavenly minded means that you, you know, you're, you're just living in denial. That is not true. It's not true. In fact, the very wording of the verse here, he talks about being heavenly minded, but he also acknowledges the grieving that ought to take place when there's suffering and loss. But what he's saying here is that this reality, this reality of the living hope, not make-believe, not a cartoon, not a series of lies, not empty motivational statements, but the reality of an empty tomb, the reality of an inheritance that's being kept for us in heaven by God himself, that reality should cause you to rejoice. Rejoice. When we put our knowledge into practice, it results in rejoicing and perseverance. Verse 6 says, for a little while. Trials for a little while. One of my favorite um, Bible teachers is Warren Wiersbe, and I read his comments this week on verse 6, and he made the observation that trials are controlled by God. Don't believe the lie that God doesn't know about it. No, not only does God know about it, he controls it. He controls it. God is getting glory about, out of what's going on. Don't waste your suffering and don't waste your pain. God is in it. 
God redeems all kinds of messes, and I don't understand that. I don't understand how God works, but he redeems all kinds of nonsense, all kinds of messes, and he, he's standing there with you. He hadn't left you in your trial. He hadn't left you in your suffering. He hadn't departed from you. He's not off taking a little smoke break. He is right there. In fact, Wearsby says that, <laughs> it's amazing, that when God permits his children to go through the furnace, he keeps his eye on the clock and his hand on the thermostat. And as long as we're vertical and we're focusing on him, he will not allow us to go, to, to, to go through what we cannot take. He can take it all. Now, you, you might lose your mind if you take your eyes off of him. That ain't no guarantee. But if we go vertical, there's encouragement. Trials have two results. Peter's sharing this with these hurting people. He says in verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The two purposes or results of trials is, number one, they refine and purify our faith. When we go through hard times, what God is doing is scraping the barnacles off our faith. We have too much stuff clinging to us. Over time, there are idols that have crept into our lives. We become duplicitous. We have become dependent on too many other things. And God allows tests and trials and suffering to come along to burn off the unnecessary stuff in our lives, to strip it down so that it becomes pure. It's not contaminated with this life and with worldliness and bad thinking. He squeezes us so that we will cry out to him and really see that he is our hope and he is our stay. And I think secondly, to prove the reality of our faith. The word tested there is a Greek word, dokimazo, dokimazo. And that means to test for the purpose of approving. Now it's not that God doesn't know, it's not for his sake, but it's for our sake. He proves to us where we really are. You ever thought, you know, you, before you went through this trial, oh, yeah, I got faith, oh, yeah, I'm strong, this kind of thing, and all of a sudden you get blindsided by this stuff. You say, I didn't realize how much worry was underneath the hood in my life. Well, I didn't realize how much I was attached to these resources. So that's why he allows these things to happen. So as we look vertical, the, the very first thing we have to do if we're going to get through Peter says, if you're going to make it, you're going to make this persecution, you're going to make it through this season right now, I can't guarantee you when it's going to be over. But, but what I know that you have to do is that you've got to look up and you have to focus on your Lord. The living hope, the encouragement, and now thirdly, the deliverance that he will give you. Oh, yeah, he will. Oh, yes, he will. Well, that's verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says here, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. In, in other words, what he's saying here is that, that, that you know, sometimes we parse words too, too, too closely. I think what, what he's saying is, come on, come on, come on, come on. You, you, you're getting through this. No, you don't see him, but you do believe in him. You, you know he's there. 
He, 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 is, he is your deliverance. And it's as if he's saying that God accomplished salvation through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And our faith is not based on abstract knowledge, but on the person of Christ. No, your, your faith is not based on your insights. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, it, 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 certainly, truth is important. Framework, you, you all know me. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that's important. But you have to understand, we have a relationship with Jesus. And what I'm allowing you to experience right now is the reality of Jesus. And this stuff that you've gone through is to show and to underscore the depth of your love for Jesus. And secondly, that you need to trust Jesus. It's nothing else, it's Jesus. Car's gone, thank you, Lord. Car's gone. Jesus. That's your deliverance. Him. He says in verse 9, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, this is not to be taken that he's saving us later on. That, 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 that is true. The inheritance is true, future salvation. But I take it here, I take it here, grammatically connected with verse 8, what he's talking about is a present deliverance. He said, you are obtaining the language of the text. It is happening right now. You are obtaining the salvation of your souls. It's taking place right this very minute. We rejoice because we are receiving what was promised, salvation. And the salvation that he's talking about here is not deliverance from the situation. No, no, you are being saved right now as you're going through this. How so? You're being sustained. This living hope is doing this work in your life. You're not in a fetal position. You haven't thrown in the towel. The tears are coming down your cheeks. But you're sitting there in front of your computer recording this YouTube video hoping that it's going to bless somebody else. You're being sustained. You're obtaining your salvation. It's being demonstrated right this very, very minute. How do we get through? We get through going up, focusing on our Lord. He's given us a living hope. He's given us encouragement. And he's given us deliverance. But secondly, we, we get through by looking back. It's our Lord, but secondly, it's our legacy. And Peter puts in here verses 10 through 12 to remind us, hey, look, I don't, I don't want you to get rattled here. I don't want you to believe the lie that you might be hearing from all these people in the Roman Empire that, hey, look, this is inauthentic. This is some kind of cult. This is that doesn't have roots and whatever. No, 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 no. I need to, you need some confidence here. This is not some new thing. So he reminds them of the legacy. He reminds them of where they came from. He reminds them of the nature of this salvation, which comes down this way. What they're experiencing, although it might be new to the Romans, it has been eternally in the heart and mind of God. So he speaks to the prophets, those who came before, and he says, look, they, they took, took careful consideration. That's what verses 10 and 11 is all about. Concerning this salvation, the prophets 
who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours there, they prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. No, 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 this, this is not new. This is not some harebrained idea. Not a bunch of delusional people came up with some type of prophetic utterances. No, they searched carefully. The prophets searched and poured over their own spirit-directed writings. They longed to participate in the salvation and the coming period of grace. I wonder, as Isaiah, the prophet wrote Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. As he wrote these words, he did not fully understand, but he understood that the Spirit of God was speaking something that they had yet to experience, that Messiah was going to come. He uttered these words, and he put them down there. No, 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 no. You're, you're not part of a cult. This is not some harebrained idea. The subsequent glories after the sufferings of Christ, a little ancillary comment here, Christ's sufferings was followed by glory. We too will experience glory after the suffering. It's a biblical principle seen throughout the scriptures. So there was careful consideration and then finally there was confident revelation. It's not just their minds, but they understood that God was speaking to them. Verse 12. It was revealed, you might circle the word revealed, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you, a generation yet to be born, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Don't get rattled. That's the message from Peter. Don't get rattled. Don't get rattled. Don't get rattled. This came from God. It was revealed to them. The prophets understood that they were not writing for themselves, but for those who would come along after and who would hear the gospel. They didn't understand all the details, but they knew that much. And by the way, that line, things into which angels long to look, I think Peter is sort of saying, hey, don't minimize, devalue, or cheapen your salvation. Are you kidding me? You, you, do you know what you have? These prophets were persecuted, tortured, and killed for what they wrote. And they wrote things that angels, angels, <laughs> long to look. It's almost as if he's saying, the angels are jealous of the salvation that is yours. I think it was a year or more ago, I quoted this song. One of this, one, uh, this is a song that has had an incredible impact on me. Um, I love the words of the song. It's an old, old hymn. I heard it the first time 35 years or so ago. I was preaching in Jamaica. And they sang this song just before I spoke. The name of the song is There is Singing Up in Heaven. And there's one line in this song that just grabs me. It says, holy, holy is what the angels sing 
and I expect to help them make the courts of heaven ring. But when I sing redemption story, they will fold their wings. For angels never felt the joys that our salvation brings. You kidding me? Don't trade your salvation in for your suffering. Make your suffering subordinate to your salvation. Don't, don't, don't leave your birthright. Stay under the hand of God. Don't get fuzzy about your legacy. Keep your mind clear about what Jesus has done and is doing for you. And it's with that clarity that you'll get through. I, as I studied, wondered how I should end this message. I had thoughts about a series of practical things I could suggest. But I felt led not to do that. My mind went back to that last part of celebration that Paul gives to us in Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that first of all, for those of us who are in the midst of suffering and pain and hard times, that God, you will help us to remember to lift our heads and to look up, focus on our Lord and to look back and be confident in our legacy. And then for those of us, Father, who are not in a season of adversity or trial or suffering, may we be your heart and your hands and the compassion and hope and love of Jesus to be burden bearers and blessings to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Dr. Crawford Loretz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy, Priceless and Precious, the title of today's message. We just launched Crawford's new series called Navigating Life's Challenges. Now, although we're looking forward to great things in 2023, life can throw a wrench into the works and catch us when we're not expecting it. This series will help us apply biblical principles that will give tremendous comfort and assurance when the tough times come. If you weren't able to hear all of today's message, you can listen on our website. Look for past programs. The audio is available anytime. Check in with us this week and let us know how you're blessed by the teaching of God's Word here on Living a Legacy. Simply email us at legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu, or stop by our website and look for the contact link. 
You'll find us online at livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.